Well, what an awesome time of worship. It's awesome that we're able to actually come together and worship even through a screen. The power of God is still present um, to impact your situation. So thank you for worshiping with us. Hey, we're about to get into the word today and I'm excited because we're on part four of Beautiful Resistance and I'm going to jump straight in. If you've got your Bible, pull it out, maybe on your phone, tap your way there. It'll also be on the screen. We're going to Mark chapter six, Mark chapter six today, and uh, we'll be reading the first six verses. So read with me right here. It says this, uh, Jesus left there and he went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. Uh, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What is this wisdom that has been given him? Uh, what are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And here comes Jesus. He says, uh, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. And then verse five records that he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Today, the title of part four of Beautiful Resistance is Water the Poppy. Water the poppy. Let's pray right now. Jesus, we pray you would help us impact people today, God. I don't want this just to be a video or a live stream, God. I want this to be an impactful word to hit people where they are right now, God. Holy Spirit, I pray you would help us today in Jesus' name. And type it in the chat. Amen. While you're here in the chat, make sure you say hello to someone. Make sure you share it around. Uh, we want to reach as many people with the word today. Water the poppy. So this series, Beautiful Resistance, as you know, we're looking at this idea of how the joy of conviction um, can counter a culture of compromise. That we live in a world full of uh, compromise and, and as Christians, we need to live with a conviction that is actually going to counter it. Last week, we looked at Daniel Mann in the lion's den. That was cool. Um, I encourage you to go back and watch it. But... Today we're talking about water, the poppy. And you might be like, Kieran, that's a weird title. I know, but I'm getting there. Don't worry. Amen. Uh, 2020. What a year, right? Crazy year. Even week by week, even like today. Oh, surprise, we're online. Week by week, everything's changing. But here we are, 2020. And, and as much as it's sucked and it's been really bad, I mean, it's had a few good things. I was thinking about this year, actually, fun fact. 2020 is my actual 10 years out of school. Um, this year, I've been 10 years graduating high school. And you know, as far as 2020, it's as sucky as it's been. I'm thankful for at least one thing that 2020 has gifted me. And that is this, uh, the inability uh, for anyone to be able to plan any sort of school reunion. I don't know about you, but I'm not a huge fan of reunions. Put it in the chat if you like reunions or you don't like reunions. Reunions are not my favorite thing. And so if 2020 has done anything, it's inhibited the fact that I can't go to a school reunion. Now, if I went to school with you and you're watching this or you're watching this back, it's not you, it's not personal. I just don't love school reunions. Um, you know, there's Christmas and stuff like family is good and all of that. But when it comes to reunions of people you haven't seen for ages, I'm just not a huge fan. And if you're a young adult, 
Um, you probably don't like reunions, especially the family reunions where you see your uncle or your auntie or whatever only once a year. You love them. I'm not saying you don't love them. But as a young adult, maybe even more, you dislike reunions because you always get asked the same questions, right? Like, hey, how's it going? Uh, are you married yet? Or have you got kids? Or have you finished that master's degree? Or are you the police officer or firefighter or engineer or, you know, extreme astronaut? Like, are you this awesome thing yet? And you always, as a young adult, who maybe you're not married yet, you're not even with anyone, you don't have any kids, you're still working at KFC or whatever it is, and you have to be like, oh, well, you know, I won staff member of the month, you know, at uh, McDonald's, but, uh, you know, uh, I hate reunions because everyone's trying to ask you the same sort of things, like, what have you done with your life? And the other thing I hate about reunions is because you need to, like, sort of, I, mean, I don't know, I do this. You try to, like, embellish the things that you are doing to really show off and be like, yeah, this is actually really good. This is what I do. I don't know about you, but I dislike reunions. And I'm talking about reunions because in our text today, Jesus is almost going through his own sort of family reunion. Uh, and we, we discover what happens when Jesus comes home. Let's look at this story. Again, we see Jesus coming home. We see him coming back to Nazareth where he grew up, right? And I can just imagine Jesus rolling into Nazareth. He's got his boys, he's got his crew, his 12 disciples behind him. And he's like, come on, guys, I'm going to show you where I grew up. I'm going to show you where this happened, where this all started in Nazareth. And I can just imagine him walking in through the gates, you know, welcome to Nazareth and be like, yeah, we used to hang out around there. And, you know, oh, look over there, James, uh, over there. That's, uh, you know, when I, my parents brought me back from Bethlehem, that was our first house. And, you know, I broke my leg there and then I healed myself. I don't know. I'm just making things up. But uh, I could just imagine in him coming in and uh, looking at his boys, you know, this is where I grew up, man. This is where I came from. And I can think about Jesus, man. Just imagine him. He's coming home and uh, maybe he's excited, you know. Maybe he's just sort of excited to share uh, what God has given him, share his mission, share the good news about the kingdom, to share everything that God wants to do. He's coming to heal. He's coming to restore. He's coming to preach. He's coming to do some awesome things in the name of his father. And I can just imagine him rolling into town, not being able to wait to bring the kingdom of heaven near to the people of Nazareth. And he's eager to share He's eager to share. The Bible says that when the Sabbath comes around, he went to the synagogue, man. He went straight to the synagogue and began to share everything that was on his heart. Jesus has come home. Um, and so Jesus, he is so ready and willing to give right now. But we soon discover that the people of Nazareth, the people of Nazareth aren't as willing to receive as much as Jesus is willing to give. What we see is Jesus has come home, but he has entered into a compromised culture of dishonor. I want to talk a little bit about honor and dishonor today. Um, I think we live in a world, um, a, a world that does not value honor. And not just a world, but a, a, a culture. Um, so Nazareth, 2,000 years ago. Nazareth, 2,000 years ago, has very similar culture. It's very different in a lot of ways, but it has a very similar culture to the culture that we have here 
in Australia. If you're watching from Australia, put the flag in the chat. If you're watching from somewhere else, maybe Brazil or New Zealand or somewhere else, put your flag in the chat. That'd be cool. Um, but right now, Jesus has entered into Nazareth, but Nazareth seems to resemble a similar culture as we as Australians hold today, um, some 2,000 years later. I don't know if you've ever heard of this um, saying or this slang or this term, uh, the tall poppy syndrome. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but let me explain. The idea of what the tall poppy syndrome is the, the flower, the poppy, uh, are designed to grow together. They're, they're a group of poppies, they're supposed to all grow at the same speed, at the same pace, at the same height, at the same time. There's not one lacking down and there's not one shooting up above. Um, but the tall poppy syndrome is if there is a poppy that maybe has received more sun or more nutrients or whatever is going on in its stem, it's been working out and the poppy's growing extra tall. Um, the tall poppy syndrome says this poppy should not be growing faster than the others. Let's cut it down. And the tall poppy syndrome in Australia is a real syndrome of dishonor. What it says is, that person cannot be any better than me. Look at that person flexing. That person thinks they're great. That person seems to have some, something going on in their life and it's working. Their life is blessed. Let's cut them down. Let's, let's not celebrate that. Let's not ex, um, expand that. Let's not get excited or encourage that. Let's cut it down. And that unfortunately is a compromised culture. And the thing is this, is that that tall poppy syndrome is so counter to the kingdom of heaven. And that's why this syndrome, if we subscribe to this syndrome, it's a subtle compromise of our faith. It's a subtle compromise of our faith. If we have this syndrome of saying, who does that person think they are? What, what they think their life is so great. Something, you know, what, whatever is going on in their life, whether it's good or whatever, um, the, the tall poppy syndrome, the person who is compromised in their faith will want to cut them down because no one should be growing faster than the other. But like I said, if you subscribe to this syndrome, it's a subtle compromise to our faith. And I say subtle because it is subtle, because oftentimes it hides in humility. Yeah, we can say, well, I'm just keeping them humble. Uh, I'm just keeping them grounded. And my thing is, is like, who are we to keep someone grounded? Who are we to say that the favor of God or the work ethic of that person cannot be flourished or encouraged or, or, or blessed? Who are we to be the, the judge of whether someone um, shoots for the sky or whether God is moving in their life because they've submitted their life to them? The tall poppy syndrome, this idea of dishonoring people, um, it, it's not part of the kingdom of heaven. It's part of the kingdom of this earth. And so as believers, I don't want us to compromise out and dishonor others or dishonor God or dishonor the things that God calls us to honor. But in this story, we see a little bit of tall poppy syndrome happening in the town of Nazareth, in his hometown. There's something about Jesus coming home. And, and, and I think home is a picture of closeness. Jesus didn't have this issue anywhere else he went. 
no matter what other towns or cities he went to, he would come in and the awesome things that God was doing and doing in his life and through his life, it was like the power of God just came, man. But it was something about when he came home. The people no longer um, accepted. The people didn't receive everything that Jesus had to offer. I think it's something to do with that coming home because I think the closer that you get to someone or to something, the more cynical you can become. You know, the closer you get to someone, the more you have to fight off familiarity. There's a saying that says familiarity breeds contempt, breeds contempt. So what, what is close to you? Do you honor in your home? Today, I'm looking, I want us to make sure we're not being like those people of Nazareth, where we are dishonoring the things we are supposed to honor. And the closer home to the things that are in our life, I want to make sure we are honoring the things that are close to us and not getting cynical about the things that are close to us. So we've got to fight familiarity. We've got to fight it in our home. We need to fight familiarity in our marriage and that will flourish. We've got to fight familiarity in our friends. Fight familiarity at work. Fight familiarity at church. Fight familiarity with the Word of God. When, when you don't fight familiarity, we dishonor it and we begin to get cynical. Oh, well, you know, uh, we get familiar in our marriage or with our spouse or in our relationships and it loses that thing. Uh, when, when we don't uh, when we get too familiar with the Bible, we begin to get cynical around it. And, and I want us to be a church, believers, Jesus followers who are not cynical, but are spirit led, who aren't, who aren't looking um, at, at, and, and dishonoring the things that God calls us to honor. Why? Why? Uh, why? Because honor brings reward. Honor brings reward. This is a biblical, it's almost like there's a universal law that God has implanted into the career, into life where honor brings reward. You know, the moment that you say about someone else or something else, oh, who does he think he is? You know, that's what they were saying in this text. I love it because at first you can misread what they are saying. Read it here. It says they were amazed when they heard him. They were amazed when they heard Jesus and saw Jesus. But we see that like, wow, Jesus, who is he? What is he doing? That's not the sort of amaze they were pulling here. They were like, Jesus, who is he? What is he doing? That's the sort of amaze they were. They were getting cynical. And the moment that you say, uh, oh, who does he think he is? That is the very moment that you cut yourself off from all that he is and has to offer. The moment I say about Harrison, who's sitting off screen here, uh, he does something great in his life or he's got a real gift of something. Imagine if I then go and say, oh, who does he think he is? He thinks he's so great with his cool fashion that's super unique. Uh, who, 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 do, who does he think he is? The moment I say that, I create a blockage and I cut off anything he has to offer me uh, in my life and in my journey. Uh, the moment I say about someone who's got a really awesome marriage, right? It's better than mine. The moment I say, oh, look at them two flexing over there. They, they, they've got it all together. Uh, I can see straight through it. The moment I do that, I cut myself off from anything they have to, to offer because honor brings reward. Um, oh man, I love going to conferences. 
And one of my favorite conferences to go to is Planet Shakers. Put it in the chat right now if you've been to a Planet Shakers conference. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the reason I love going to Planet Shakers conferences, man, uh, I, I love going there and I love the word. I love the preaching. And the reason I love the preaching is because the people that, okay, have you ever seen those people? They just get so excited in the word, right? You look down the aisle and they're standing up. They're clapping after every uh, scripture, after every word. They're just getting into it. They're excited. And you look at them and be like, man, I want to go sit over there. God must really be talking to them. God really must be downloading something to them down there. They just seem to be getting something so out of this. Or what about in uh, worship, right? You see people, you look down the aisle, you do a little sneaky look. Uh, if you're single, you're looking at your crush or something and they're just, it, it, their hands are up, their eyes are closed, they're leaning into the presence of God, they're worshiping God, it seems, with everything that they've got and you look at them and you're like, what are they doing? What are they receiving right now? They're getting something from God right now. I wish I could do that myself. Uh, listen, I, I've got a key for you, I've got a secret for you right now. The person standing up, clapping for the word, shouting amen, saying that's good, that's for me. The person in worship that seems like they're just leaning in and getting something from God. Can I encourage you and tell you the secret right now? They're not. They're not. What they are doing is they are honoring God first. And because they leaned in to the worship and gave it everything they got, then because they did that first, they received something. Because that person stood up and was agreeing with the word and was taking notes like their pen was on fire, because they did that, they're receiving something from God. And if you would honor first, honor brings a reward. You know, the centurion in the Bible, this is what he did. He, he, he came along and he, he, he said to Jesus, you, you don't even have to come to my house. You don't even have to see my daughter who is dead. Just say the word. I know you're a man under authority. I'm a man under authority. And I know if you say the word, then she will be healed. He did that. He didn't ask her to come. He'd ask him to come. He didn't do that. He honored who Jesus was first. And because he did that, a miracle took place in his life. Say amen in the chat if you want to honor that word right there. But you know what? Thomas, Thomas did the opposite, right? He, 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 he was out of the room when the risen Jesus came up and all the homies was like, bro, you got some serious FOMO because you missed out on Jesus. The risen Jesus is here. And, and, and Thomas is like, nah, no way that didn't happen. A few days later, Jesus, boom, comes in the room again. And Thomas was like, okay, I was wrong. You were right. You're real and risen from the dead. And Jesus says to Thomas, Thomas uh, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Uh, blessed are those who honor me first before you see me in my face. I, I, I want to encourage us to honor God first. Honor God first. Honor brings reward. You know, the Ten Commandments, there's a, there, there is only one commandment in the entire of the 10 that has a reward attached to it, uh, that has, uh, has a result, something that would happen if you do this. And you could probably already know what it is. It's honor your father and mother. And the Bible says if you would honor your father and mother, all the teenagers, all the kids, listen, all the parents in the chat say amen right now. If you would honor your father and mother, the Bible says you will live a long life. 
Come on, you don't need no weight loss machine. You don't need some special pill that's gonna cause you to live to 93. You don't need one of those machines that's just gonna jiggle you until all your weight falls off. You don't need nothing of that. Bible says you honor your father and mother. Honor brings reward. And you know, the people in Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, his friends, his family, the people that he grew up with, who was at home, who used to be close to him, that uh, they didn't think he was worthy of honor. Uh, and they didn't think he was worthy of honor because they were looking at a one-dimensional view of Jesus. They knew Jesus as the carpenter. Uh, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the carpenter? And because they didn't honor him, uh, it, the Bible records a very crazy result, but they only saw him as the carpenter, and so they dishonored him because of what he did. Whereas we're called not to honor because of what someone does, but because of who they are. You see, Jesus, he wasn't just a carpenter. Come on, he was the Christ. And if they had have honored him, not by what he did, but by his identity, by his God-given value, he was the Christ. If he had have honored them because of that, God would have done a miracle in their midst. You know what? When you dishonor, it's you that misses out. It's not someone else. When you cut someone down, the tall poppy, who does that person think they are? It's, you're not hurting them. You're hurting you. When you cut someone else down, when you don't celebrate someone else's success, when you don't honor the word of God, when you don't honor the worship, when you don't honor the tithe, you're not hurting anyone else. You're only hurting you. You know what? Dishonor hinders heaven. Dishonor will hinder heaven moving in your life. When you have the spirit of a cynic, that's what these guys had. They had the spirit of a cynic. Can I tell you, it will suck the supernatural work of God right out of your life and right out of any environment you step into. Can, come on, I don't want to be living and, and, and carry a cynical spirit, living in a cynical culture. A cynical culture will cancel heaven's plans for your life. The Bible says something so crazy here. It says that after Jesus says a prophet, now for all the people who are like, I don't understand Christianese lingo, what's a prophet? Listen, a prophet is just a messenger, someone who's given a message from God. Um, so Jesus has come with a message from heaven. So Jesus says uh, a prophet is, is not without honor except in his own town uh, and among his relatives and his own home. And then the Bible says in verse 5 that he could not do any miracles there except for heal a few sick people. Come on, Jesus, what's going on? You've only healed a few little headaches here. Maybe a pimple on someone's face has been healed off and cleared up. Uh, where's, the, where's the leprosy falling off? Where's the dead people coming to life again? Where's the eyes opened and the ears hearing? Where are those miracles? Why couldn't you feed the whole town with just a few cheeseburgers? God, uh, Jesus, why didn't you do bigger miracles here? And the Bible says that he could not. Listen to that language. It's not he would not. If it was would not, that deals with Jesus' will. I can understand that. But man, when I read that he couldn't do any miracles, I'm like, what? The son of God couldn't do a miracle because it, the dishonor had hindered the, the flow of heaven. You know what? I, I want to encourage you today to, uh, to honor to honor the things in your life, to honor people, to honor the word of God, to honor Jesus. Um, you know what? Because if dishonor um, hinders heaven, 
The same is true in the opposite. That honor releases heaven. Come on, you want to see the power of God, the presence of God, fill any space you are in. This is the challenge to honor. You know, I remember a few times over our time in youth ministry, um, especially on camps or like on the last night of term. I remember this one camp we went on. It was the cheapest camp I ever ran, man. It was the first camp I ever run. It was so, uh, I, it was so badly planned. I even forgot to, I, I, only, um, I only booked one room, one big room for both the boys and the girls to sleep in. That's how bad of a job I planned this. I got there and I'm like, okay, rule number one in youth ministry, keep the boys and the girls separate. And here comes Kieran and I just book one big hall with bunk beds all over it. Uh, don't worry if your, your, your kid was there or your teenager was there, we separated, the guys slept somewhere else. But uh, that was a cheap camp. But I remember on that camp, even though we had no guest speaker, uh, we had no epic activities. It was just a big bush with a little hall. We didn't have no great, awesome things planned, no massive tribal wars. We didn't have big speakers or big setup. You know, we didn't have everything pumping. We didn't even have hundreds of people there. But what we did on the last night of youth is we all sat in a circle, the whole youth ministry. A couple of us were there. Harrison was there. Ruby was there. If you were there, put it in the chat. But we sat around in a circle and one by one, we took turns and we honored one another. Can I tell you? I don't think, I, 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 that's in the top five rooms that I've been in where I felt the power and the presence of God go off like a bomb. We, 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 just young people, man, some brand new Christians, some of them are leaders today. It, it, it was incredible. And one by one, we took turns and we honored one another. We honored each other. And man, we had a fire prayer meeting after that. It was just going off. It was going so intense, so loud. The power of God was falling so hard in that room. I remember the camp lady came and said, you guys got to keep it down. There's other campers. And it all started with honor. Honor releases heaven. Romans 12.10 says to outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. That doesn't sound like Australian culture to me. It doesn't outdo. Uh, we don't outdo in encouraging each other, in building each other up to say, man, I want to honor you for what you're doing. I want to honor you for where you're going. I want to honor you for taking that risk. I want to honor you for starting that business, to starting that platform, to doing what you're doing. I want to honor you for that. We don't do that. We don't outdo one another. No, we want to cut them down. But the culture of heaven, the conviction of a Christian should be to honor, to outdo one another with honor. And this is why, and this is why we got to do that. Because church, it must have a conviction to have a culture of honor. I'm talking about honoring the word of God. The Bible says to honor your leaders, honor those who are, uh, who, who have been put over you, to honor the people who teach, to honor the people that you serve beside, to honor the person that is new to faith, to honor the tithe and bring your tithe, to honor God, to honor people, to honor the word, to honor. We've got to have a conviction as a church. I want us to be so good at honor that the heavens are opened over our church 24-7 because we are have a culture of honor because we because we we want to outdo one another in honoring why because honor in the Greek actually means value 
In the Greek, that word honor means worth or value. In a similar way, we would talk about gold or silver or something else expensive. You know, honor means value. And in the same way, dishonor in the Greek, it means to treat as common, to throw it in the junk drawer. Everyone's got a junk drawer, right? You throw in your bits and bobs, things that you might need, maybe you don't. It's just a random drawer, you know, you find all sorts of things in there. Uh, uh, that's called dishonor, putting something in the junk drawer, to treat it as common. But we haven't been called to treat things as common. We're not called to treat the word of God, to treat our leaders, to treat um, the, the worship and the tithe as common. We're called to treat it with value. You know, the awesome thing about um, honor is Jesus has modeled it for us. In a few seconds, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive something from heaven. You know, maybe you're brand new today. You've never watched a church service online. This is all a bit weird for you. Uh, well, I've got something to share. And you know, that is that God actually models honor for us. You know, God, he is the ultimate, the best businessman, person being, the best business being in existence. And you might be like, that's weird. I was not expecting you to say that. No, it is. Listen to me. You know, a good businessman would never pay more for something than it's actually worth. If your house was worth $500,000, I would not come and, and give you um, $800,000 for it because that is not what it's worth. I wouldn't pay you more than what something was worth. Uh, if I was a really good businessman, I would offer you like, you know, uh, two, you know 350, 400. Uh, that's what a good businessman would do. Um, you know, well, I look around, right? I walk through the street, I walk through the shops, and I look at some people and I felt once the Holy Spirit challenged me and say, what do you think that person is worth? And, and, and you know, would, would they be worth a trillion dollars, a billion dollars? If you could have either see that person um, saved or would you either have that person or a billion dollars? And in my spirit, as any normal person be like, well, I guess the billion dollars, you know, uh, which one is worth more? And I felt like the, the Holy Spirit said, you know what? I paid a much higher price than that for that person. Today, I want you to know that God would never pay more for something than what it was actually worth value. God honored us. You know, he paid his son Jesus for our lives. Do you know what that means? It means in God's eyes, he sees his son, Jesus, the perfect person, the God man, his only son. He sees him as worth the same as you and I. As people who mess up, ignore God, we make mistakes every day of our lives, but God sees us of equal value. Uh, uh, he honors, uh, he gives us weight, he gives us value. And you know, I've got a scripture to back that up in John 17. It says, uh, Jesus is praying and then he's, he's praying and talking about his disciples, about you and I. And he says, uh, then the world will know that you have sent me and that have loved me even as you have loved, oh, sorry, that you have loved them even as you have loved me. God honors us because man he values us today i want to encourage you man to give your life to jesus it's so easy it, 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 it's it's a free gift that he uh, gives us and we just need to receive it um, and you can do that by yourself in your room you don't need to be in a church with fancy lights or a priest or a temple or whatever 
Get all of that out of your mind, man. This is about you and Jesus receiving what he has done for us. And if you want to do that today, man, that's exciting. I want to pray this prayer with you. You can repeat it after me. It's not a fancy formula. It's not like magic words and poof, it's all done. No, this is just an outward um, verbalization of an inward decision. If you want to pray that maybe the first time, second time, you want to give your life to Jesus today. You're like, Kieran, I'm not sure what um, about Jesus, but I, I, I want to have something to do with him today. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Come on, repeat it after me. Jesus, I want to live for you. God, I thank you. You saved me and I submit my life to you. I honor you. I love you. In Jesus name. Amen. Come on. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you. Tell someone in the chat. Um, for everyone else, though, I want to encourage you, let's be a church. Let's be a, a counter-cultural community where, where we don't dishonor, we don't cut people down, but rather we, we encourage, we celebrate, we honor people, we honor the Word of God, we honor the preaching, we honor what God is doing in our life, in other people's lives. And instead of cutting down the poppy, we water the poppy. Come on, thank you for being at church today. Um, I want to encourage you. Make sure you're connecting and reaching out. Um, have a great week, everyone. Remember, go water the poppy. What a great word from Pastor Kieran. Look, if you've just said that prayer and you have said yes to following Jesus, we are so excited for you. Please let us know. Go to goodnewscompany.church/jesus to learn more about how you can follow Jesus and also just to connect with us. That would be awesome. And I would love to say a huge thank you to everyone who has given online. I'd love to encourage you to give online. The details and bank details and how to do that will be on the screen down below. We will see you next week, either online or in person. Cool. Have a great week.